Hello and welcome back to the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. We are continuing our discussion of the general epistles, and we're almost done. We're at our last book, and it is the book of Jude. It's one of my favorite epistles in the New Testament. It's uh, just a short book of 25 verses. But a very underrated book, in my opinion. It's uh, just excellent, full of very important topics for us to discuss as Christians. We're going to split it into two weeks. So we'll cover verses 1 through 11 this week. Then, Lord willing, next week we will be covering uh, the rest of the book to verse number 25. Just to uh, briefly introduce the book of Jude, talking about the author of this epistle, Brother Guyan Wood's commentary. On Jude says that Jude uh, introduces himself as the bondservant or the slave of Jesus and the brother of James. Now, interestingly, he says that James is the brother of Christ. He's the James mentioned in Acts chapter 15 as being an influential figure in the church at Jerusalem and likely the writer of the epistle of James. And so both James and Jude then would be physical kin half-brothers of Jesus Christ. There's not a whole lot of biological uh, or biographical rather uh, information that is given for Jude. Uh, we do find in John 7 verses 3 through 8 that uh, originally the brothers of Christ, which would include Jude, did not believe Jesus was who he said he was. It uh, took them a while to accept him, but thankfully eventually they came around and uh, sometimes that is the case. They were with their mother Mary in the upper room, mentioned in uh, Acts chapter 1, leading up to the beginning of the church. Jude originally had wanted to discuss a very pleasant topic in his epistle, and uh, that is the topic of the common salvation. But uh, as we're going to find, because of moral problems that were ongoing, Jude actually had to change his sermon, if you will. He had to change his topic. So the topic changed from the common salvation to uh, actually a much more difficult topic to discuss, and that is uh, various sins that were happening in the church that needed to be dealt with. So he deals with immorality pretty heavily uh, in this epistle. Certainly, this is a very important and relevant topic for us today as, as uh, everyday Christians. The uh, date of writing this particular epistle is presumed to be sometime in the second half of the first century. Cannot nail that down precisely, but uh, that is what is presumed. We're going to look at, again, the first uh, 11 verses, and then, Lord willing, next week we will look at the rest of Jude. Verses 1 through 4 is where we want to begin Jude's introduction to the epistle. Verse number 1, Jude a bondservant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. We've uh, mentioned this already in the introduction, but notice that even though Jude is, uh, we believe, to be the brother of Jesus, he seemingly, with much humility and modesty, doesn't want to mention that here. And uh, we can presume different reasons for maybe why maybe he felt guilty for having doubted Jesus at first or felt unworthy to be called the brother of Jesus. Uh, those are certainly things to just uh, wonder about. But he also he does call himself a slave of Christ. 
And by the way, that is the case with all of us who are Christians, according to Romans chapter 6. We are the slaves or the servants of Christ and also the slaves or the servants of uh, righteousness consequentially. Now, Jude says that this letter is to those who are called uh, the saved and those who are sanctified, that is, set apart for the the Lord's holy purposes. So uh, sanctified by God the Father and preserved or kept safe in Jesus Christ. Now, we need to never forget that salvation is located in Christ. It's not uh, found outside of Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 3, all spiritual blessings, certainly including salvation, are found in Christ. How do we get into Christ? Galatians 3 verses 26 and 27 says, uh, For you are all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Verse number 2 here in uh, Jude says, Mercy, peace, and love. Be multiplied to you. So that's just a, a friendly uh, general greeting there in verse number two. Verse three, this is where uh, Jude changes his topic, as we already discussed in the introduction. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. Why did Jude have to change his topic? Well, again, he was dealing with the situation of rampant ungodliness. And again, as I stated earlier, we in the church today, unfortunately, are dealing with a society that uh, is rampantly ungodly. And sometimes that even creeps into the church. And so Jude addresses that here. Certainly uh, wouldn't hurt to have sermons Uh, such as what is covered in Jude uh, quite frequently today as well. So, you know, you think about Jude changing his sermon some 2,000 years ago when he wrote this. Would he have had to change his sermon today? Absolutely, right? Because the same sorts of sinful behaviors are uh, rampant today. Jude says, uh, essentially, you've got to earnestly contend for the faith. You've got to fight for it, which was once and for all delivered unto the saints. It uh, is once and for all time delivered. It, it doesn't change, in other words. So morality is an absolute must in the church. We've got to teach on it. We've got to preach it. And we've got to contend for it. We can't just uh, ignore the sins that are so rampant in society today because of the sexual revolution and, and things of this nature. The uh, stuff that is being promoted in Hollywood and the music industry and and all these sorts of things, it will creep in to the church, and it does. And so we have to uh, confront those things when they come in. We have to uh, preach against them and make sure that we don't tolerate, we don't sweep under the rug sinful practices. Verse number four, Jude says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed. King James Version says uh, unawares, I believe. Uh, For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, false teachers had crept in unnoticed 
That's how it always happens, by the way. They don't come in with a bright flashing sign that says, hey, I'm a false teacher, right? No, they sneak in. So false teachers had crept in unnoticed, and uh, the text says that they had been long marked for condemnation because evil has always been marked to be punished with condemnation. These are ungodly men, and uh, the word ungodly appears several times in this epistle. And what did these ungodly men do as they snuck into the church? Well, they turned the grace of God into a license for, if you will, lewdness or uh, lasciviousness, sexual impropriety. When they do this, they deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. To act like the grace of God is license for licentiousness, uh, license for sin, is diametrically opposed to God and what he stands for. I'm reminded of Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. I've probably said this uh, these couple of verses a thousand times on this podcast. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Certainly not. Uh, grace is not a license to sin. I want to turn to a very similar book in Second Peter. And I want to look at Second Peter chapter 2. Let's notice a parallel account. Peter is going to deal with the same topic, really, that Jude deals with. Second Peter chapter 2. We want to begin in verse number 9. We'll go down to verse 19 or so. 2 Peter 2, verse 9, it says, Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations to, to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak e- evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Now, when we read in Jude in just a moment, we're going to notice some strong parallels to what Peter is saying here. Keep reading. Verse number 12. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand, and will utterly perish in their own corruption, and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. In other words, carousing in the daytime is the idea of people who just openly and shamelessly, uh, with no ability to blush whatsoever, commit all sorts of all manner of sin um, in broad daylight. That's the idea. So they're carousing in the daytime. The second half of verse 13 says they are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. So they are living it up. In their lies, that uh, what are their lies? Their lies are, oh, we can do these kinds of sins because uh, we have the grace of Christ. And so uh, the grace will cover it and we can just keep on sinning. Okay, those are lies. And they are blemishes in the feast of the Lord. You know, if you have people coming into the Lord's church, maybe they're partaking of the Lord's Supper, maybe they're partaking in fellowship meals with, with faithful Christians and they're living like this, that is an utter blemish on the Lord's church. And, uh, you know, there are principles in first Corinthians chapter five, I think it is. It talks about how a little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
if you just sweep sin under the rug in the church, then it's going to spread and it's going to taint uh, the body of Christ. And so um, Jude deals with it. Peter deals with it here as, as well. Verse number 14 here in Second Peter chapter 2, it says, Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. Their eyes are full of adultery. They're just constantly looking for adulterous encounters with their eyes. And uh, they cannot allow themselves to cease from sin. It's not that they don't have the ability to stop. It's that they are unwilling to uh, make themselves stop sinning. It says that they uh, have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. So they're involved in materialism, the love of money. They are accursed because of these sins. Verse number 15, they have forsaken the right way and gone astray. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, Jude's going to mention him as well, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. You can read about that, of course, in uh, the book of Numbers. Very interesting account, a very funny account as well, that a donkey, uh, through a miracle, of course, was the one that had to rebuke Balaam. Verse uh, number 17, these are wells without water. What good is a well uh, if it's dried up? Well, it's no good, right? So these these false teachers are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. They're like wells with no water, like clouds that are carried away before they bring the, the rain that was needed. And uh, the blackness of darkness is reserved for them forever, of course, reference to hell. So, um, you know, you think about the fire of hell and that's terrifying enough, but then you also think about the outer darkness aspect of it. And hopefully we as, as Christians don't want any part of that. Verse number 18, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So Christians, they had escaped from sinful practices, and yet they're being allured back into them by these false teachers. And notice that they speak great swelling words of emptiness and allure in that way. You know, sometimes we use the term fluff, and you can hear a whole bunch of sermons that are nothing but fluff with no substance, no Bible, and it's not going to do you any good. It's going to be a well without water. It's going to be a cloud that's carried away uh, before it can bring the rain, right? And so they're speaking these words of emptiness, and they're luring people to these sins. Finally, verse 19, it says, while they promise them liberty, right? Liberty in, in that concept. Certainly, we have liberty in Christ, but that concept is abused by false teachers who say, because we have liberty, we can do whatever we want. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Again, grace is not a, a license for sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So while they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. What are we supposed to be slaves of? Righteousness, Romans chapter 6. Slaves of Christ. Also Romans chapter 6, but these guys are slaves of corruption, for by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. You can keep reading Second Peter chapter 2. It talks about how those who they had escaped the uh, pollutions of the world through the knowledge of their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they become entangled in them again. It's worse 
then than it was in the beginning. And uh, it's like a, a dog that returns to his own vomit, like a, a, a pig that was washed to returning to the mud. Let's go back to Jude now. And uh, we want to pick back up in verse number five. Now, verses 5 through 11, these verses are going to give us some Old Testament examples of uh, immorality. Verse number 5, it says, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Romans 15 verse 4 says that the things which were written before time were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And there are some things written in the Old Testament that are needed, needed valuable lessons for us today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we are reminded of this Old Testament example of Israel falling in the wilderness. And uh, what happened? What caused them to fall in the wilderness as they came out of Egypt? So we're talking about Exodus and following in our Old Testaments. And uh, of course, those who were 20 years old, and upward, they died in the wilderness wandering because of sins like idolatry and fornication and murmuring against Moses and God. Of course, uh, ultimately, all of, all of this culminated in 10 out of, out of 12 spies going into the land of Canaan and saying, saying essentially, look, we can't take it. Uh, you know, it's a wonderful land that God wants to give us, but we can't take it. Of course, Joshua and Caleb, they had the idea that, no, we're well able to overcome it. But uh, they were outvoted by the 10 other spies. And, of course, uh, everyone 20 years old and upward, except for Joshua and Caleb, uh, ends up dying in the wilderness uh, as a result of that. Well, Jude says that uh, after Egypt, God destroyed those who did not believe. Now, these were people who had seen the Red Sea part and many other miracles, uh, water provided for them in the desert, many other things, manna, and yet they still did not believe, Jude says, and they fell. Verse number six here in Jude, it says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. This is a reference to Angels who rebelled uh, against God along with Satan, they left their first domain in heaven and were cast into everlasting chains of, of darkness uh, awaiting judgment day. A lot of people um, speculate that maybe this is where demons came from. Um, definitely makes sense to me. Um, I'm sure there's some other ideas as well. But regardless, the point being that these angels who rebelled with Satan they're now being punished uh, for their rebellion against God. Verse number seven says, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given them themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as examples, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Of course, uh, we remember this story from Genesis chapter 18 and 19. And uh, Abraham had pled with the Lord on behalf of these cities 
if he could just find 50 righteous souls, no, actually uh, 45 righteous souls, no, actually tw- uh, 40 righteous souls or 30, uh, how about 20 righteous souls? Well, how about 10? If I can just find 10 righteous souls, will you spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? Of course, there were, uh, you know, God had said, well, sure, if you if you can find them, then I'll spare the cities. But there were not 10 righteous souls to be found. So Lot and his family are told to get out of town and to not look back as God rained down destruction of fire and brimstone uh, upon the cities. Lot's wife looked back and was instantly turned into a pillar of salt. And uh, what could make God release such vengeance upon that region? Well, rampant ungodliness, which is what we're talking about here in Jude, Uh, rampant sexual sin. Namely, uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah's case, homosexuality. That was uh, abomination before God. And the Bible is full of passages that plainly teach that. um, Contrary to what some people are trying to say these days. And so this ought to be a lesson to us that God takes these sins, particularly these sexual sins, very, very seriously. All sins, of course. But uh, in this context, these sexual sins very seriously. God punished in the Old Testament, and uh, God will punish on the Day of Judgment as well, those who refuse to repent of these things. Verse number eight, likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. So these are some more sins that are looked upon by God very seriously and will be made to see his wrath. Defiling the flesh. Uh, in all manner of de- debaucherous sin, uh, I, I think of uh, Romans chapter 1. Uh, that comes to mind, verses 18 through 32. Not only those who commit those sins, but also those who have pleasure in them that do so. Uh, there in verse number 32 in Romans chapter 1. So defiling the flesh, rejecting authority. Now, this is the idea of rebelling, rebelling against those who would have authority over us. And that might be uh, the government authorities. It might be parents. It might be a teacher, uh, a boss at work, um, just rejecting the authority of the police, um, rejecting the authority of the elders uh, in the church. Uh, This is an example of egregious sin that uh, God's going to punish. Also speaking evil of dignitaries, this is uh, disrespecting the civil governmental authorities that God has given charge. That is uh, a sin as well that that God's going to punish. Evidently, these false teachers were, they had a habit of doing that. They would not only uh, live totally for themselves in sinful practices, in making money off of preaching these sinful practices and saying, oh, those things are okay. Also, they had a very bad habit of uh, rejecting authority and disrespecting uh, dignitaries. Verse number nine, it says, uh, yet Michael the archangel, and this is an interesting verse, yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, not much is known about this event other than what is mentioned here. I think this is the only reference of it in the Bible, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But Jude being and uh, ins- inspired writer, we can only wonder 
why they were disputing over the body of, of Moses, but we know that it took place. Maybe, uh, and this is just uh, presuming here, but maybe the devil was hoping to use Moses' body as an idol uh, that people would have been tempted to worship. That's definitely speculation, but it would make sense. But regardless, the point that Jude makes here is that if Michael, the archangel, it wouldn't even make a railing accusation against Satan. And how much more should we be very careful not to make railing accusations against dignitaries as mentioned in the previous verse? So again, we have the responsibility to to be respectful of those who have authority over us. Verse uh, number 10, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally, like brute beast in these things, they corrupt themselves. So in other words, they're corrupting themselves. They're taking what is natural, what is good and right, and they're perverting it. And I think we've talked about this uh, this season, I think. Perversion. It's taking what God designed and changing it a little bit and perverting it away from God's design. Then once people accept that, then they can change it further and pervert it even further and further and further. And that's what we have seen with the sexual revolution uh, in our uh, country and in many modern countries today. Um, just increasing levels of sexual perversion, accepting more and more wicked things. So these uh, false teachers were the type of people who might call a Christian a goody-two-shoe, so to speak, speaking evil of things they don't rightly understand themselves, but they're actually wicked, lascivious false teachers uh, who are brute, dumb beasts in corrupting themselves. Finally, verse number 11. This is where we will conclude for this week. Um, It says, uh, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit. We looked at him in 2 Peter. And perished in the rebellion of Korah. So these are three more examples of evil people from the Old Testament. Cain, of course, the murderer of his brother Abel, Genesis chapter 4 the uh, very first murder in history. Uh, Balaam, certainly we, we just talked about him, but he was a prophet for profit, so to speak, um, a wicked prophet who spoke for the financial prophet. And uh, he convinced King Balak, if you remember, in Numbers uh, chapter 25, to get the Israelites involved in harlotry with the women of Moab so that they would bring a curse upon themselves. Uh, Balak, the king, I always get them confused, Balak, Balaam. Balak was the king. He tried to get Balaam, the prophet, to curse God's people. Balaam says, look, I can't do it. And it's a long story, and you you need to read it because it's a very interesting story in the Old Testament in Numbers. But uh, Balaam finally figures out a way to do it, and that is he can get the Israelites to curse themselves if they go commit harlotry with the women of Moab. So that's what ends up happening. So Balaam was wicked for doing that, and he did it because he wanted the wages uh, of unrighteousness. And then Korah, he's the last uh, example. This is from Numbers chapter 16. He was the leader of a rebellion against uh, Moses, and uh, Korah and the ones who went with him in that rebellion ended up uh, being swallowed up by the earth. So very interesting story there as well. So uh, 
Jude has really had some stern words for those uh, who would teach Christians that it's okay to live in rebellion to God by living in unrepentant sin. And Lord willing, next week we will continue to discuss more of what Jude has to say about these things. And uh, that will conclude our study of the general epistles next week, Lord willing. Hope that you're enjoying this season of the Everyday Christian Podcast. Uh, Once we're done with the general epistles next week, Lord willing, we'll have a few more weeks to go and we'll have a few more topics that will be announced uh, at that time. Thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.